Witness the greatest heroes who ever lived. Irresistible danger, adventure, and friendship. The Three Musketeers. In case anyone hasn't caught on yet, the this entire podcast, uh, the year plus that we have been doing this, has just been an audition for Justin to become the voiceover preview guy in the 90s. <laughs> You know, yeah, the I'm, one who is like everywhere. I'm trying to go back in time, y'all. In a world. Uh, hello, everyone. Um, and welcome back to Uncultured Universe. That's right. It's 2024. It's a new year, new us, new name, and new theme song, as I am just now finding out. Yeah, you got it right. Sounds incredible, Justin. That shit slaps um, hard. Shit goes hard. slaps. I am so glad we are in just like, just new mode. I love new uh, mode. Yeah. Newer we, is always better. Newer is always better. Yeah. We are the podcast where two friends show each other movies, shows, and anything else that they need to see, hear, or experience in order to get a little more cultured. I'm your host, Joe, and I'm joined as always with the uncultured Justin. What up? Today it's time to fight for king and country, and if you happen to smooch a few wenches along the way, you're probably doing something right. It's the 1993 Three Musketeers. King, king and country, emphasis on cunt. Like Emphasis on the cunt. <laughs> this movie fucking serves. Everyone is like, you know, the, the mustaches and the goatees are sharp. <laughs> The the out the fits are are on fleek. Do kids still say that? I don't think so. But yeah, the, every, the, everything's great. Everyone's kissing or wanting to kiss in this movie. So many kisses. That was my one note about this movie. Everybody is so horny. Mm -hmm. Everyone mm -hmm. wants to just fuck, and it is wild. Yeah, my my first note was like, if you're excited about like. Disney religious horniness in the 90s. Wait until we cover Hunchback of Notre Dame. Oh, was that um, worse? Oh, my God. Yeah, that's like the pinnacle. Um, oh but this is such a fantastic first step into that. Um, and you could say like the core of the horniness here comes from a, a particular actor that we have decided to center this miniseries around. So we entered 2024 and we decided to kind of like give give these episodes a little bit more structure so we'll we'll continue to have some wildcard miniseries where we just talk about whatever movies we want but we are also going to have more focused miniseries around um the people behind the scenes so would you say we're going to be talking about uh actors that we like uh we're going to be talking about directors we're going to be talking about like cinematographers i believe Ooh, is coming up mark. absolutely Ooh. um so Justin and I will kind of like hand off um, movies uh, centering around these people. And we took a look uh, at what this first January miniseries could be. And we landed on Tim Curry yeah. because we had so much fun with our episode on Muppets Treasure Island. Um, and so we were like, OK, Tim Curry, boss legend, um, literally. 
Um, and bad boy so fun to talk about Mm -hmm. i was a little unsure though because the premise of our podcast is like i have to pick a movie that i've seen that you haven't seen right Mm -hmm. yep and i had i hadn't actually seen rocky horror so i couldn't do that um we should add that to the list um and i i was almost certain that we had both seen clue and home alone too right oh yeah yeah for sure but yeah like this this idea came up like you said during the 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 Muppet miniseries that we did back in last May. And you were talking about just like your introduction to Tim Curry. Mm-hmm. And you mentioned that he's in this movie. And I was so just like, wait there. First of all, there was a three Musketeers movie that I wasn't super familiar with. And he's like this effervescent yeah. dripping in, in badness character. And, and I had no idea. So we just kind of just filed it away and it just made sense to start with Tim Curry. He's just such a horny demon in this movie. It's so perfect. I I pulled it straight out of my childhood. This was this was a DVD on the shelf of Murphy DVDs as we were growing up. We were homeschooled. We didn't have like cable. We didn't have like television channels. And so we just had this like massive collection of VHSs and DVDs. And this was kind of like in the rotation for us. And so an incredible thing I found when rewatching the three Musketeers is I haven't seen it probably in about 15 years. I can recite this word for word. Really? I, I, I knew every line in every scene. Uh, I was okay. like saying it along with them. It was insane. That's amazing. That's that's I, I love that kind of stuff. Like you don't realize how formative these movies are when you're a kid, just when you watch them over and over. I mean, it makes sense. Like your brain's a sponge when you're a young kid. But like, turn it on and just being able to say just like this quippy one liners just off, off the cuff. So cool. Well, it's like it's like f- one of the first action movies I ever saw. One of the first romance movies I ever saw. One of the first comedy movies I ever saw. Ooh. Bit of a sexual awakening, if we're being honest. Um, With that there's... that handsome twink, Chris oh O'Donnell. <laughs> God, insane. How is this movie not rated in C-17? There's um, so many like... But it's typical Disney, you know, there's so many just like weird jokes that just like, I can't believe they got away with saying that it's in the trailer. It's in so many like there's so many heaving like body parts in this. Yeah, there's there's Uh, over the the shoulder shot of of cleavage and in the in the trailer that I cut um, like the official one is the the hilarious line that Sabine is saying to, to Richelieu where she has like the knife. She's like in one twist of my knife and I can change your religion. And I'm like, Oh my God, that is a circumcision joke. And that is hilarious. I never got that until right now. Like, uh, well not right now when this latest rewatch, Mm -hmm. because I always thought she was just like, Oh, threatening something crazy with his penis, whatever. Cause like we didn't have great sex ed education. Um, and so, Literally, like last night, I was like, oh, my gosh, she's threatening to circumcise him uh, <laughs> because he's Catholic. That oh. that whole portion of the film is my favorite part where we, we have this action comedy and then it just strays away into this like like psychosexual uh, romantic thing for like 15 minutes. And then we're back to the action comedy. Yeah, um, the Sabine character, the the milady uh, iconic. Uh, it's amazing. um. Uh, okay, so I want to talk about it. What what were your first impressions? What uh, what did you know about this film going into it? Um, okay, so so like I said, like I wasn't really super familiar. When I think of the Three Musketeers, I think of uh, it's still a Disney property, but it's like 
I think it's like Donald or maybe it's Huey, Dewey and Louie. Mm-hmm. There's ducks involved and it's, it's a cartoon um, jaunt. Um, so, and, and maybe in the deep re- recesses of my mind, this movie was on my radar. Uh, Cause I think of this one and I think of Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Oh I mean, my think God. they were about the same time frame, like 91, 92, 93, that kind of thing. So I I'm, literally, I have that in my notes. Like those two movies are linked together for me. Absolutely. Right. Like down to the, the soundtrack of like power hits, but with <laughs> Brian Adams, um, just doing like, these bangers. Like they're not even trying to get historical accuracy for the accents and I don't want them to. Um, <laughs> yeah. and so Kevin Costner, Kiefer Sutherland, they're all just American. Um, and it's incredible. Yeah. They're, they're trying their hardest and you can tell like when they're, uh, you know, uh, auditioning for it and the the people behind the producers and they're like can you do a french accent and they're like uh straight up no but i can try and they're like you know what it's fine no one's really gonna notice <laughs> this will tank the movie <laughs> yeah <laughs> but it's not even a big they're like dude like two years ago did you see kevin costner and robin hood he's supposed to be british it fucking didn't even try <laughs> so hilarious everyone else surrounding him is in british accents no one else um it's crazy but yeah so i kind of put those kind of movies in the same kind of playing field kind of ballpark but um again you know i never saw this i never had a desire to see this movie and i think we talked about this um in the the treasure island episode that you were a pirate kid growing up Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know uh playing the dress up and doing more like sword fighting that kind of thing um i wasn't like super into play sword fighting i was more like sci-fi i was more like lasers and laser guns and laser swords you know uh fucking star wars and shit this is exactly what i was going to bring up um so like based on the movies we have covered so far if we draw a line in the sand that is the present uh i am definitely more on like the term is like swashbuckling yeah uh yeah that's what this type of movie is where it's essentially like heroes with swords um doing stuff and then you're more like futuristic slash monsters if we're Mm -hmm. talking about like formative 80s and 90s cinema right yeah and then uh, that that forms a really good just like compendium of like just typical kids that you would see on the playground, you know, yeah. in third or fourth grade, you know, you got the kids playing pirate ship and then you got the other kids running around going like pew, pew, pew with their laser guns and like rocket. And then creatures. that's, that's why star Wars was such a hit because it like, it's the perfect like bringing together of the two. It's like, what if the laser was the sword? Yeah. And, and it's amazing. So I can, I can see why like you love treasure Island, why you love uh, pirates of the Caribbean all that kind of stuff. This is this is Joe encapsulated. And also, too, uh, of course, your parents were going to let you watch, watch this movie because it is steeped in so much Catholic lore. It's Catholic as fuck. I know. Yeah. It's great. And, and they're talking about, like, chastity. There's, like, <laughs> praying. There's crosses everywhere. And they're just like, yeah, it's totally fine. <laughs> there's hints at sex, but they talk about it in, like, a bad way. Love that for the kids. Let them watch it. The rule in my household growing up is that overall, like violence is fine. Language is okay. Sex. No, we can't do that. And so you could watch like the most uh, rated R bloody movie of all time and it'd be fine. And, um, and I think also too, like, like you've mentioned before, like as long as it's kind of steeped in some sort of historical significance, like yeah. I know you've mentioned like the, the Patriot 
yeah. uh, <laughs> and, and Braveheart. Like very like, historically accurate film. Very, right. Very violent, very bloody, like a little bit of sex, but it's mostly like history retelling epic kind of stuff. So like, I get it. My God, we're going to watch Last of the Mohicans, one of these episodes, and it's going to be one for the history books. Um, okay, so let me let me give you some background here. So this uh, The Three Musketeers is based off of a book written in the mid 1800s, I believe, by Alexander Dumas. Mm-hmm. Um, so if that name sounds familiar, he is the same guy who wrote The Count of Monte Cristo, yep. which is... One of the books that we had to read in like 10th grade English in high school and we all hated it. So we called him Alexander Dumbass. Of course, that's, that's how a... his name is spelled. Yep. Um, which which isn't uh, isn't fair because he's obviously playing a pretty important part in history. Uh, yeah. The the Count of Monte Cristo movie is also something that we watched growing up. Are you more familiar with that one? The, the Jim Caviezel one? No. Uh, you mean our, our Lord and Savior, Jim Caviezel? No, uh, I'm not yeah. familiar with that one. <laughs> Yeah, um, that's a good one, too, actually. Um, but no, so The Three Musketeers is obviously like the big one that he has produced. I I was reading up on it. I couldn't tell if it was maybe part of a series like about the D'Artagnan character. Um, is D'Artagnan uh, in The Count of Monte Cristo? No, no. Oh. But there's this book that is called The Man in the Iron Mask. I should probably look if Dumas also wrote that. Um, but that is essentially like the sequel to this story. Really? Um, yeah. So that is also a movie. Um, Leo. I'm, I'm like glancing at this Wikipedia page as I'm doing this. Cause I don't, I don't know if he wrote it or if it was like more of like a, someone else took the story and followed up on it. Yeah. Um, the man in the iron mask is essentially like not Related to this movie, like the Leo follow up, but mm-hmm. the, it has the same characters. So you have those core three musketeers, you have D'Artagnan, and then the man in the Iron Mask is the twin of the current king. And they're both apparently like D'Artagnan's kids from when he had an affair with the queen. Oh my God. Like it's again, like it's not supposed to be these same characters. So it's like not like he's having an affair with the queen in this movie. Sure. Um, sure. But uh, yeah, so there's there's kind of a universe of the three musketeers um, and the the original book itself. This movie is pretty loosely based off of it. It Mm -hmm. it focuses a lot more on the Milady character as a villain, I think. And uh, there's less of like a love story and more of like a tragic ending. And D'Artagnan's kind of a little slut i think um in it um (laughs) his sluttiness is hinted at and talked about uh the the opening scene you know with with him having his standoff with gerard uh he's like hey man i'm sorry i fucked your sister but it's like (laughs) no hard feelings you know uh yeah so disney takes this movie in the early 90s and uh from what i read there were like three different companies trying to make a three musketeers movie at the exact same time and disney essentially won with this cast um again you can tell based on the cast that they're not necessarily going for historical accuracy it's almost like this movie uh literally like beat for beat you can kind of see like them thinking what What's an action sequence that we can just like throw in here uh, for no real reason? Cannonballs. When they get fired on by cannonballs, it's like, where are they and why are they getting fired on right now? (laughs) And like 
cannonballs are just like ball like big balls of like they, there's no explosive in them so like right what are these that's not how they work <laughs> that's not how cannonballs work <laughs> that's wild uh okay um so it's 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 just a fun movie um it is a movie that kind of takes these characters takes these themes and uh sets them in this like entertaining 90s uh plot that's part action part comedy part swashbuckler like we talked about oh, yeah. and part um insane psychosexual uh romance Ooh, the tension um, is just oh it's everywhere <laughs> but before before we get into the plot and talk further um we do want to circle back to tim curry as the focus here so i think tim curry does fit perfectly into this movie as kind of like a the ultimate like sneering villain who also knows exactly the movie that he is in um yeah. he is fully british he's supposed to be playing a french um, yeah <laughs> religious clergyman who is so openly horny and evil um and yet he's ascended to this position of power in the french uh government monarchy whatever um, and they have this like vague plot to like kill the king and uh, and take over the throne like the, the cardinal would become king at that point. Like is that uh, how that works, I guess. <laughs> there's also like 30 people who live in France. And so they're all constantly running into each other uh, all over the place. Um, but Tim Curry plays this role with such. um like sneering comedy that you almost expect him to like wink at the camera every now and then. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I want a version of this movie where he's like breaking the fourth wall and uh, doing like a, a house of cards and just like talking about all these oh. idiots around him. Oh my God. Yeah. A, a house of cards take. Yeah, for sure. Not like, can you believe these jokers? But like, yeah, definitely <laughs> the, the Kevin Spacey creepy type of character. I mean, not to lump them in the same camp. Kevin Spacey is a monster all of his own. But mm -hmm. like that kind of take would have been fun. Um, I can definitely see how like you you need like a slimy kind of character like this to kind mm -hmm. of play both sides. And it you can kind of see the the uh the the inklings. Like if they were gonna remake that movie or whatever, it would be very Game of Thrones-esque because there's like that underlying political arm to it. There's the the treasonous plot to like get with the other bad dude uh uh in the the back pocket of the the british government and all that kind of stuff it's very game of thrones in that way mm -hmm. so he's kind of like that um i don't i don't know uh, uh what, what are some, who are some like the everyone was like a bad guy essentially in uh in the, game of thrones the little like peace movers and stuff oh, like little like finger little finger yeah. and varies and stuff yeah but yeah he's, like he's working behind the scenes but then also too he's he's just super horny he's just like he's got it out if this movie was not disney and it was like a little more pg-13 you know they would have shuffled somebody out of his quarters you know just like barely covering themselves mm -hmm. to show that this guy fucks but uh you don't really need that because you can tell he fucks yeah i mean and because it's Disney and because it's the 90s, he's kind of playing this live action version of what was their typical Disney villain at the time, which is kind of queer coded in a way. <laughs> like you yeah, can tell, like it's he's Jafar. not this like he's playing like a Jafar role, kind yeah. of. Yeah. Um and it works. Where it's like, yeah, he's horny, but like 
we're supposed to kind of laugh at it in a way. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's like, he's flamboyant, essentially, as uh, oh. this this cardinal who walks around in this like little uh, tight little armor uh, piece that he's always wearing. Oh, but it, it looks, looks incredible. It looks great. And then he's got his cape. And there was one scene where he's like, it's an overhead shot and he's walking up towards the the steps or the dais or something like that. And he looks like fucking Darth Vader. Mm-hmm. And it's awesome. So like that's the kind of like uh, bait and switch kind of kind of thing. He's like, oh, I'm helping out the king, but I'm actually vying for power for myself. And, you know, I'm this pious, you know, clergyman who's the the right hand of the king kind of thing. But also I'm like, I'm fucking everybody on the side because who cares? Because I have all this power. It's delightful to watch him in this role because he is so slimy, like effortlessly slimy. But also um, it's just it's just cool to watch. You love Mm -hmm. a good bad guy like that. Yeah, and He's... and and also too, like you don't see the body, you know. He he goes over the <laughs> the, the the boat and never pan down, no like alligator or anything like that. Yeah, one of He's one of my to... questions is like, how does how does he die in this movie? Does he just drown? Do they watch him drown? Uh, Frenchmen are known for their lack of ability to swim. Totally, um, they just they just can't do it. So like. <laughs> Sacre bleu, I can't swim. <laughs> this is the worst. <laughs> so like the, he drowned onto the ocean. He drowned um, probably. But. Okay. So if we are doing a mini series about Tim Curry, tell me again. Uh I know we've probably covered this as part of the Muppets Treasure Island episode, but like what's your history with Curry? Where is your first impression there? Um what what place does he uh hold in terms of your culture? Um, so the first iteration that I set my eyes upon Tim care, uh, Tim Curry is the movie that we're going to be talking about next week, which is my pick. And we'll touch on that in, at the end. Um, but you know, as a young kid, I don't know who this actor is. That's just like later down the line. I was like, Oh, that's Tim Curry. Awesome. Um, but my second, uh, 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 touch point is, uh, Fern Gully of course, uh, as Hexus. Um, again, just like a oozy, literally oozy, kind of horny bad Like, that's who he plays. He's just like a kind of horny bad guy. Um, and then also in the same time frame is Home Alone 2. Um, so, like, m- the movie that I'm going to do next week or the week after, and then those two movies, like, all kind of in the same time frame when mm-hmm. I watched them. So those were kind of like my first things, and I had no idea, really, um, who it was. And it was just like, that guy is creeping me out, but also uh, he's hilarious, but also like it's captivating, all that kind of stuff. So you just, you can't take your eyes off him. I know. And so like, I can't wait for you to see the, the, my pick because it's the same kind of character that he, that he just like effortlessly plays. Um, hmm. Another one that comes to mind in like my teen years was uh, scary movie two. Um, he's in that one and he is hilarious. Um, Who does he play? He's like, uh, uh, so the, the plot of the movie is kind of like the house on haunted Hill kind of thing where he's like a professor, uh, running a test on like a haunted house or something. And he brings students in, he's the professor kind of character, but of course he's (laughs) super horny, uh, and he has nefarious plots. Um, but it's Tim Curry and you're just like, I fucking love it. (laughs) 
it's delightful. Uh, we'll have to watch that one too uh, as a follow up to this series because it's 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 fantastic. Yeah, yeah. This is this is definitely my first uh, Curry touch point with Three Musketeers, um, and so it 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 holds a special place in my heart. And that, along with like Home Alone two, were probably like the big uh, Tim Curry moments in my life. And so they're both these like kind of nefarious uh villains but they're also like the heart of the comedy uh, of yeah. each movie well uh home alone too he's got kind of his own portion um but he's he's pretty golden in that um yeah. another one i guess would be like the it um uh miniseries that came out in the early yeah. 90s i knew of that i never watched it because i was like that's too scary like clown the killer clown they got to keep that away from me demented yeah but i didn't see that till till much later in life but um mm -hmm. but i knew that's who that was uh, yeah he's 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 great he's great. yeah he kind of like establishes this persona as like someone who's not really afraid to put himself out there um and be these like monstrous or very theatrical characters um uh many of whom we just we we label as uh iconic just right off the bat on he's an icon you know he's an icon <laughs> yeah um okay let me give you some some stats on the three musketeers and then i i may have you uh run through the plot and okay, then we can yeah. talk some more yeah no big deal yeah. uh three musketeers uh directed by stephen herrick who you may know from directing bill and ted's excellent adventure and the mighty ducks among others oh yeah. my god you're okay. in good hands here, bud. Oh my um, god, that's okay. So that's that's fitting because Mighty Ducks is a di or is a Disney venture, mm -hmm. and I Disney, think yeah. and I think that came out first before this one. At least the first Mighty Ducks did. So they're like he hey, went man. from he went from one Estevez to the next. He did. You're right. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. I like working um, with these people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who wouldn't? Uh, Based on the book by Alexander Dumas, starring uh, Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Oliver Platt, Chris O'Donnell, Tim Curry, Michael Wincott, and Rebecca DeMornay. Mm -hmm. What a name. Um, released in November of 1993, just two months before your boy was released upon the world. Um, <laughs> yeah, crazy. Um, made $111 million against a budget of just 30 um wow. it didn't get like glowing reviews because nothing did but um it uh, i think it was a popular hit i think so and and it makes sense it plays very disney uh it plays uh akin to uh uh pirates of the caribbean um yeah. action whimsy wisecracks um it felt kind of like it could be they could have made like a ride or a land out of mm -hmm. out of this movie which would have been cool uh, if that was yeah. a thing that you would want, that you would want, like, you know, uh, you know, ter in late 1700s France or whatever as a land in Disney World. But come um, visit pre-revolution era with us. And at the yeah. end of the day, we we guillotine someone. Yeah. <laughs> and all the children laugh and they think it's. Hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. Thank you for mentioning Pirates of the Caribbean. That's definitely uh, the connection I had in my notes is like the the next era of the swashbuckler film. We had a bit of a golden era in like 2003 to 2007 with that original pirates trilogy. Mm -hmm. And I've kind of just been waiting my entire life since then for the, those types of movies to come back um, yeah. because I miss them and they're the only source of joy I've ever had. I bet, you know, <laughs> that's really upsetting, <laughs> but uh, I, I bet we're due for one, honestly, in the next couple of yeah. years, I, w I wouldn't doubt it. 
um you know uh, uh like game of thrones had its turn for for x amount of years so like people are kind of taking a turn towards more of that medieval kind of stuff so i wouldn't be surprised if like sword fighting pirate movies came back yeah what's the next like quasi comedic historically based epic film series that we can expect maybe maybe westerns will come back around but that's not really the same thing oh yeah i would love to see westerns come back for sure um Mm -hmm. but yeah as a a side tangent uh i don't know like what else uh there there's so much to explore with like just pirates in general the the whole uh, captain blackbeard and and all all that kind of stuff there's so much to explore there Mm. outside of the pirates of the caribbean verse um I don't pirates know. of the pacific pirates yeah. of the pacific you know go yeah. let's go to hawaii <laughs> let's go to hawaii man um yeah maybe maybe vikings will make a or continue to make a comeback uh, in film uh, i'd watch it mm, yeah um all right justin uh let's go ahead and do a plot description for the three musketeers yeah which has been Adapted on film and stage and television dozens of times. Let's see how you do. Um, Hang on. And I will pull up my little timer. Okay. I'm ready. Okay. Tell me about the Three Musketeers in one minute. Your time starts now. Uh, Three Musketeers centers around the Three Musketeers plus one, which is D'Artagnan. He's a little fuck boy. He wants to join uh, this group of cops in, in Paris, France. Uh, and he's just like a little bit late because there's a coup going on with Cardinal Richelieu, who's played by our, our, our lovely Tim Curry. Uh, Tim Curry, fuck. Uh, he's trying to, to undermine and kill the, the, the king, this young boy, uh, by partnering with the other bad guys in, in, in London. Um, so like they meet up and they're like, hey, we're the three musketeers. And he's like, can I join? And they're like, fine. Uh, and then they go and they fight. And then um, the, there's all this stuff uncovered. Kiefer Sutherland, uh, you know, was a count and he, you know, fucked over his wife, uh, but she's still alive. And then she throws herself off a cliff and then they stop the plot. Uh, and then uh, Charlie Sheen gets shot. But like by the grace of God, he, he lives somehow. And uh, he joins the, the Musketeers at the end because they, they bring the Musketeers back and everybody's fine. And Gerard sucks. The end. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think you covered it. Um to this day, I still think like the most romantic thing you can do is profess your love for someone and then jump off a cliff. What do you think? <sighs> that I did not expect that to happen. Because um, he, you know, Kiefer is very just at, at the turn. He's just like, wait, no, never mind. I changed my mind. Uh, do, you know, do you forgive me? I'm so sorry. And she's like, yeah, I forgive you. Uh, yeet. And she jumps <laughs> <laughs> off the fucking cliff. And he's, they're just like, oh, well. Anyway, we got to go save the king. Um, He's like, ah, oh, nuts. Ah, <laughs> oh, that is not what, man. Like, oh, I was, don't jump. Uh, it was, oh, no. Don't um, do it. <laughs> yeah, it was kind of anticlimactic. That whole bit, like, kind of where the plot and the momentum kind of takes a, a, like, a hard emergency break, um, where they catch the boat before it leaves. She's captured by somebody. I don't know who captures her and who holds her in captivity. Yeah. Um, but then he goes and he like talks to her and he's like, Hey man, I fucked up. And she's like, Hey, I did too. And uh, I can't believe you didn't never notice this floor de lee on my shoulder. Yeah. Uh, what a weird spot to have a brand that you're a treasonous monster. <laughs> but uh, yeah. 
So they it it's implied that she has just kind of like had a hard life. She's had to kill a few guys just to survive. Um, she marries him when they're both young and they're actually in love. They love each other, but she's been branded as a murderer. He somehow doesn't find that out until one day when they're writing. Um, she uses makeup or something. Yes. Yeah, um, and so he leaves her because of honor uh, and then goes and like dishonors his whole life or whatever and joins the musketeers, abandons everything. Um, they come back together. She becomes a spy out of necessity again. Uh, the, the movie takes a more, uh, it's more on her side, I would say, in a way than the book mm-hmm. is. In the book, she's more of this like sneering villain, sexual temptress person. Mm-hmm. Um, and in the movie, it's more she's just been like jaded by the whole world. Um, and so that's why she's kind of like fucking off at the end. Yeah, it's kind of, um, it's kind of James Bondy in that regard. It's kind of, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what is it, the first one? Or, or the first one with, with Daniel Craig, uh, Casino Royale. Yeah. With What's-Her-Face. Uh, uh, yeah. Eva Longoria? No, that's not it. Um, Eva Mendez. Eva Green. Eva Green. There's that, a lot of Evas out there. <laughs> a lot of Evas. Uh, that same kind of thing where she's like, I have a past, but um, I'm good now. And then it's like, nope, I'm bad again. Just don't fall in love with me. Yeah. <laughs> don't you do it. Don't you do it, James Bond. But the guy who captures her in like the little inn that they mm-hmm. are, it it explains it in like half a second. Uh, yeah, it's, I missed it's ho- it. Horrible. But like he is the brother of the guy she like originally killed, or like whoever like Lord De Winter is, or whoever like her latest. Okay. Is. Okay. All right. And and is that what got her? The, the Florida Lee, or was that like way in the past? No, I think like the Florida Lee was like way in the past, and then she's okay. just like killed more people since then. She's got a she's got a long girls, list. Girls got a girls got to work. Hey, we talked about girls in STEM, you know? <laughs> STEM yeah, the mentrails, mama. <laughs> no, um, yeah, I kind of wish that was a little bit more clear. But like, like I said, the the momentum and the plot kind of just get shifted for a second. And I then love she, it. And then she leaps off the cliff and they're like, oh, yeah, we got to go like save the king. What are we doing? Let's go. Uh, I'll hear nothing. I, I will hear no negative comments about it. I, I love it so much. Um, <laughs> her and Kiefer Sutherland are so hot together. Um, I, well, I want like the prequel miniseries of them and their life leading up to like him betraying her and leaving her and like turning her over to the police, essentially. What a um, fucking narc, you know, yeah. like no, no honor among the, those kinds of guys. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, dude, uh, you, you mentioned like in the book, she's kind of a seductive temptress. Like she is exactly that in the bedroom scene <laughs> with Chris O'Donnell. And- After they, they find him unconscious on the side of the road. He's trying to intercept her as a spy. She, he, he doesn't know who she is at first. She doesn't know who he is. And then it takes them like 30 seconds to unravel that. Um, and so she, you can see the turn in her eyes between like, Oh, I'm going to, fuck this little guy between that and like oh now i now have to kill I him to with kill a little guy. hairpin yeah. um it's all very sexy it's very fun yeah, um that was a fun scene of just like oh my god this is for kids this is gonna <laughs> this is gonna turn some some people <laughs> but i i, I want to back up to uh because i love the way that like action sequences are incorporated into this movie and the way that they're used sometimes just like for whatever but then sometimes to drive the plot and like move characters together mm-hmm. um and so the prime example of that and i think this this happens in the book as well is like d'artagnan arrives in paris he's this like 
cocky little prick who thinks he can take on the world. He's trying to join the Musketeers and he ends up with three different duels in the same day Love with it. the three musket, the titular three Musketeers. It's such a fun, creative, stupid way to uh, meet them. But it's so funny how like he literally runs into and has a conflict with three of them just like on the street on separate occasions and then schedules duels with them later that day <laughs> on three separate occasions. <laughs> yeah. And then they all show up together. It, that, uh, that was that's that's like delightful storytelling mm-hmm. to like get your your outsider character to meet the the titular characters to come all together to yeah. have the the comedic point a point of like well you can't duel him i'm i'm dueling him not until 1 p.m you cannot fight this boy i'm yeah. fighting yeah it's that was i thought that was really fun uh very silly very classic disney comedy mm-hmm. um family friend friendly you know and then then the murdering just starts happening so they kill so many so people many in this people. movie just like poke them with a sword and they're dead and then they get to the ship that the milady girl is on and like they've ambushed them by killing the entire crew <laughs> it's just dead bodies just strewn about like um, you want to see like the behind the scenes of that where it's just like are some of these people innocent and it's just like you're just like stabbing them like we have to prepare this uh oh funny little trap for them yeah there's got to be plenty of just like no 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 please don't hurt you know it's just hilarious. i don't know these people but but they're gonna do that they're gonna show that behind the scenes that cut scene but they're gonna have the jaunty disney music in the background (laughs) keeping it light baby just keeping it light uh all right well let's talk about the three musketeers so you have Kiefer sutherland the he's, leader he's the the, the leader he's, he's the, leonardo yeah he's the blossom of the group um <laughs> yeah. you have um oliver platt who's uh porthos is always kind of like the the funny uh boisterous one the the woman killer yeah, he's, and got, he's got, got like gadgets mm-hmm. um very cool and then you have aramis who's like the pious one <laughs> yeah. the, the pious one who can't stop like fucking people because he's <laughs> like they're, they're all so horny um but he's trying to be a priest uh i love oh, his introduction where it's just like again fully american charlie sheen who's like tutoring this man's wife or something like that <laughs> yeah reading from the bible and like about to get it on and he's they're just both like, getting horny from the bible talking about like original sin <laughs> It's so uncomfortable to watch, but uh, uh, but it is, and it's just played for laughs. And you know, the gunshots firing, and he leaps out the window triumphantly, and he's got a pithy one-liner about you know God's often busy, no big deal. It's so great. It's- I love it so much. It it really is a precursor to Pirates of the Caribbean in that way, mm-hmm. in terms of like like it's exactly what you're saying. It's the one-liner as like guns are blazing, uh, everyone's running around, everyone's wearing these boots, uh, these stupid boots. Um, Swords (laughs) are flashing. Nobody's ever in real danger Mm -hmm. um, because of the music is so light. It's so so just uplifting and just like, I'm not worried for anybody's life. And that's why, like, at the end, when um, uh, Charlie Sheen gets shot, point blank. Did you think he was going to die? No, I was like, he's wearing like surprise armor or something like that. I was like, there was no like Chekhov's gun or like throwaway line of just like, hey, look at this piece of metal I found, anything like that. But there was the cross, and uh, he's just like, hey man, I guess God is real. Anyway, 
Then they all laugh and do like a triple high five. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of triple <laughs> high fives. A lot of uh, crossing of the swords. Uh, good stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, rounding off this cast, you have the king and queen who are like the dumbest little lovebirds you've ever met. Incredible wig work on the king. So um, good. His hair is dynamite. His bangs. His bangs are banging. His bangs are banging. At the end, when he he's finally the one who like punches Richelieu over the boat. My note was like, wait, is the king kind of hot this whole time? Uh, we'll leave that as a question mark for the sequel. Um, yeah. And then D'Artagnan, like continuing his one crazy day that he has the first time he gets to Paris and ends yeah. up almost being executed. He saves uh, the queen and her. Uh, no, he saves these like queen's handmaidens from what he thinks are bandits, but they're actually their bodyguards. Yeah. Him and the handmaiden Constance have like, a 30 second conversation. And then she is like down bad. So the rest of the film, like she is like fully in love. Mm. They know nothing about each other. Yeah. And then they kiss at the end. Yeah. She's talking. They don't have another conversation the entire film. But yeah, it's that 30 seconds. She's just like, I'm I can feel my heartbeat like it is on, baby. And she's talking to the queen. And she's just like, so tell me about the first time you saw Louis. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like this? I love it. She's just so sexual. It's so sexy. This movie's so sexy, Joe. (laughs) Yeah. I wasn't ready for it. (laughs) <laughs> i was not prepared for the sexiness um yeah so and then to to round it off with an end credit song that is mm. maybe the greatest movie song of all time um this is i mean this is where i sent you the text that i was like we're going to be talking about the song more than anything else um did you know about the song going into this i've heard it before like yeah. maybe once or twice, like growing up, uh, listening to B98.5 FM, uh, uh, which was, you know, a popular adult contemporary radio station that my mom loved. And it was mm-hmm. all of that. It was all Rod Stewart. It was all Sting. It was all Brian Adams, you know, in their separate worlds. Uh, so when they come together for this super magnificent, epic yeah. opus, um, it just makes sense because it fucking rips. That song is so good. Yeah, you have the Brian Adams song in uh, Robin Hood, yeah, uh, which was like what a couple years earlier than this, mm-hmm. and so they were like, "How can we possibly top this while still kind of maintaining that vibe?" Like, Obviously, well, Rod Stewart is sing. Yeah, it's like okay, we get Brian Adams back. You know, he's mm-hmm. he's riding high. He's still he's still doing his thing. Um, it's like, well, this movie is called The Three Musketeers. Let's yeah. get two other heavy hitters. In and then this the, guy. they finally got them all uh, on set. Everyone's kind of sounding great. They're really vibing their bros. And the director's like, hmm, something's not right. And then he goes up and he unbuttons one more button on each of their shirts. And everyone's like, perfect. That's uh, everyone sees <laughs> sees Jesus. It's perfect. Go home. Yep. That, yeah. that music video is wild. The, the trailer that I cut at the beginning, I used the original trailer of the movie and then that mu- music video and brought them together uh, yeah. with, of course, my voiceover. But uh, that that music video is wild. The first like 30 seconds or first minute or whatever is just like B-roll of them coming on set. Yeah. And Rob, they're like holding coffees and stuff. Yeah. They're all just chilling uh, and they're all just playing piano. 
or or Brian Adams is playing piano. Sting is there, and they're like, "Where the fuck is Rod Stewart? He's thirty minutes late." Uh, and then he just kind of fucking strolls in with like this fur coat, and he's just immediately just cutting up. He calls Sting String. Uh, it's <laughs> <laughs> hilarious. Uh, and then they just get the song ripping, and you're like, "Okay, this is this is you know." fine and good it's all adult, adult temporary contemporary that kind of stuff and then that chorus hits and uh where they're all three singing and sting holds out that one note and they're all kind of just continually building on top of each other it's so good i didn't know what um like what what is what is the musical term for like singing on top of each other harmonizing uh, harmonizing jesus i didn't know like what harmonizing could be for the human soul until i heard this song yeah um and a, a note about the music video so if you grow up with a bunch of dvds what comes with that is like special features culture mm-hmm. uh and so in the special features for the three musketeers there's actually another music video of this same song and it's the three of them but they're not like in the studio they are kicking back in the in the tavern that they're in like, <laughs> i love with those the, with the wenches um but they're like wearing regular <laughs> like clothes and stuff but like rod stewart is like essentially the porthos and they're just like hanging out and they're like drinking flagons and stuff that's surrounded my memory of the music video surrounded by babes um just but total still just babes just just but wearing just their normal attire they're like <laughs> all right guys check it out we're gonna put you in the scene of the movie and we have these period accurate clothes for you and rod stewart stewart's like yeah i'm not gonna wear that mike (laughs) wait that's australian uh he's like nah fuck that um i'm just gonna wear my my regular shirt and my you know my leather pants like fuck off um that's amazing yeah another thing with with dvd culture is you get the the um the the main menu screen that would usually have the theme song 20 seconds just looping forever uh, Mm -hmm. or something there's there's a whole subculture about that too Every so often the tweet will go around where it's like every millennial or whatever age range knows the sound of the Shrek 2 menu screen because mm. that's the one where they're all in like essentially talking heads and they're yeah. all trading off like talking about each other. Mm-hmm. Um, for some okay. reason that is ingrained in everyone's mind. Love it. Um, let me let me kind of cover my my notes here. Obviously, uh, Curry. um accents never heard of them <laughs> yeah what what's a french accent even sound like is this the worst or best cast movie of all time let's talk about it um i think for what this movie is and for what it's trying to be which is just like uh, an entertaining jaunt in the 90s i think they got the best cast that they could and uh I it's think, literally yeah like I think it's really really good the the three yeah. the three core musketeers charlie mm-hmm. sheen Kiefer Sutherland and Oliver Platt are great together. I think they have mm-hmm. really, really good chemistry. Um, the first, uh, one of the first scenes, I think when they're, um, when they face off with Roquefort or whoever, or Rick or Roquefort or whatever, he comes into the tavern. kind of a cheese. Yeah. Yeah. That scene, that's like uh, uh, Kiefer and Charlie Sheen are just kind of kicking back. And then Porthos comes down off the, off the ceiling and stuff like that. Like, it's so cool. Like, you can tell you that they've history together. You can tell that they're like friends. Buds. They're, they're, they're best friends. And especially like Porthos and Aramis are like two buds. Cause like, 
Athos has like the main character syndrome. And so he's kind of separate. But then Porthos and Aramis have like the little secret sword handshake and oh, they yeah. care about each other. Dude, and- they've they've seen each other's dicks and, and yeah. probably touched each other's dicks in the in the scene with the winches. And they're kind of like talking about like how to like seduce a woman. Mm-hmm. You can tell that they have like, you know, Eiffel Towered a couple people. You know what it is? It's it's Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli from like the later Lord of the Rings movies, where right, Aragorn yeah, yeah. is like trying to be the more serious one, and he's got a girlfriend back home, and then <laughs> yeah. Legolas and Gimli are like Just, slowly but surely becoming best friends, but also yeah. in competition with each other. Mm-hmm. But they would do anything for each other. Yeah, um, incredible. I love that archetype. Um, Oh my god! Yeah, you're you're absolutely right. Like, just turn up the sexuality just a little bit between the two. Um, Yeah, it's definitely again a button, a few more buttons. Yeah, just just flash a nip. It's not even that (laughs) bad. Yeah, let me let me get that heart for you. It's no big deal. Yeah, and if we're talking about the cast, like we 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 have to talk about um, what is his name, Mike uh, Michael Wincott, who plays Rochefort for like. Greatest villain voice in Ooh, in the '90s, I would say. He's also in Count of Monte Cristo. He's playing like this terrifying, like prison warden guy. Uh-huh. And the latest thing I actually saw him in was Jordan Peele's Nope last year. Oh, Did you see that? I didn't catch Nope. No. Yeah, I need to. Uh, it's he's he's in it. He's playing kind of a funnier character, but he still has that like terrifying gravelly voice that is just like perfect yeah he's a he's a great villain in this um mm-hmm. a classic you know one-eyed kind of piratey guy you know in in practice he should be a terrible sword fighter because of the his his depth perception is completely fucked having yeah. one <laughs> one eye he should be just missing the whole time but i um, want like the Mel Brooks version of this movie where he is just like missing. <laughs> he's like the Blinken character. From yeah, Man he's like, stand still. Come closer. <laughs> D- damn it. You know, I, don't, I can't do this. I'm handicapped. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I, I think they really nail it. Uh, they nail the tone of this movie with the cast. And uh, like I said, there there is... Again, not a sequel to this movie, but a follow up to this story in The Man in the Iron Mask, but with different actors, different characters. Um, The versions of Athos, Porthos and Aramis in that movie, Athos is played by John Malkovich, I want to say. John Malkovich? John Malkovich, which John, John um, doesn't really fit the vibe I have have in my head of him. Porthos is Gerard Depardieu, so he's like this big French uh, burly guy. Uh, kind of fits. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then Aramis is Jeremy Irons, who Ooh. is like the voice of Scar. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's pretty good. That's great. And then D'Artagnan is Gabriel Byrne, who's... Um, did you ever watch like In Treatment or whatever? No. You saw Hereditary? Mm-hmm. The dad in oh. Hereditary who catches fire? Yeah. Yeah. It's him. That's D'Artagnan. Um, cool. D'Artagnan. And then it's obviously Leonardo um, is kind of the face of that movie. So is D'Artagnan the last name or is that like his first name? I think it's a f- his first name. Okay. But they first off, everyone in the Three Musketeers seems to know his father. Um, he'll yeah. pass some random on this. He can't throw a rock without hitting someone who knows his father. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering if it's almost a family name because when he meets the girl for the first time, she kind of like surmises where he's from based off of that. Um, <laughs> and also know. she's like, I can tell by your accent. 
Yeah. Yeah. You're from Southern France, aren't you? Also, like, yeah, like let's arcane. get married today. Right now. I've got it bad. Mm-hmm. Um, wow. And then, like, okay, yeah, we got to We got to talk about the pinnacle, the, the, the leading man of the hour, just, mm-hmm. just Tim Curry. Yeah. Brings it all together. I, I really think you, for a movie like this to even somewhat work, you need this in the villain because he, he has so much screen time as like the sneering villain. He's kind of doing this like courtly intrigue. You're not going to get a lot of interesting moments from the king and queen just because they're these like, again, these like shy little lovebirds who are kind of boring. And so you need these moments of like evil, but also like levity from him to hold up that part of the story um, a little bit. Also, one of my notes is like, is his plot in this movie to prevent a war? Like, are are we sure that he is? Is he really the bad? bad? Guy? <laughs> yeah. Is he the bad guy or is he just like, hey, I am looking out for number one, but also to like, hey, we're going to like have this strategic thing with with yeah, England. He, so it's he's, like he's trying to sign a treaty with the Duke of Buckingham to not have a war. So like, like maybe that is that <laughs> maybe sentiment was different in the 90s. And like we really just wanted to see England and France go at it. Um, that and also to like the boys in blue, they're they're literally cops. So yeah. like cop culture has shifted Im- immensely. <laughs> so they're yeah. like, they were the cops back then, uh, France protecting the King. And they're like, no, like you can't kill this guy for the yeah. betterment of the country. <laughs> Jonathan was watching like the first half of this with me and he was like, Oh, it's blue versus red. Like th- this is communism. Um, yeah, and I was like, wait, anti- what? <laughs> <laughs> yes. This is anti-communist propaganda. It's uh, definitely red versus blue. And that's a good transition to this cocktail. Ooh, yeah, cocktail tell me about one. it. Uh, so, of course, with this being the Tim Curry-centered month, I wanted to do something based on the character. So this is the Richelieu Martini. It's it's a little red, um, uh, little, little ditty I got here. Vodka, Campari, sweet vermouth, bitters, and pineapple juice, mm. uh, which makes it nice and frothy on the top. And then I've got uh, uh, count them one, two, three, four blueberries and one cherry. So it's the three plus one, uh, 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 musketeers and then the one red Richelieu. Oh, uh, it's great and it's delightful. That's kind of sweet. That totally doesn't look like anal beads. Um, <laughs> uh, let me let me show you what I have. So, I I was thinking through like what are my standout moments of uh, this movie. I I I really did just land on that cliff scene. I love it so much. It's it's such soapy drama. It is. Um, and so what I have here is a. Uh, Vodka, orange juice, cranberry juice, sour apple schnapps with a Luxardo cherry garnish. And I'm calling it sex on a cliff uh, (laughs) because (laughs) you would typically have peach schnapps for sex on the beach. um, And so I'm giving it more of a green tinge. um, Yeah. And it it tastes incredible. Oh, I bet. Yeah, it's it's very fruit forward. Yeah. Um, And yeah, it'll make you want to just leap off the cliff after you know, cleansing your soul. <laughs> oh my God. Oh, I love it so much. Yeah. I, I, I would, I would pay to see a, a, a prequel of 
um, uh, Athos and uh, Sabine. Just give me what they're doing. Give me a prequel of Athos and Sabine, and then a sequel of Cardinal Richelieu surviving and like crawling his way back to the throne and getting revenge on everyone. Um, and we'll call it a day. It's okay. Ryan and I mentioned this, so it's like there's no you don't see any bodies of Sabine, obviously because it's a kid movie, kids movie, or a night a Disney movie. Uh, PG movie. Um, you don't see the bodies of Sabine. You don't see the bodies of Richelieu. They both somehow wash ashore together, and then, but also go back in time, maybe. Um, totally. And, and that's how you get um, uh, uh, Treasure Island, Muppet Treasure Island. <gasps> oh my God! Does she like become Piggy? Piggy, yeah. <laughs> Benjamina, yeah. Somehow through the void that they that they <laughs> sit through in the French Sea, where whatever ocean that is. Um, amazing the curry cinematic universe yes okay this is how it starts this is how it starts but yeah i I would i would love both of those movies that'd be great all right justin uh final thoughts on uh this movie and tim curry in this movie before i get us into the dumbest game i have ever thought of i'm so excited uh this movie was fun uh very disney very pirates of the caribbean this movie is so incredibly horny if uh, and very pious, very just unabashed, just like, you know, Catholic and yeah, uh, just just slamming it to you. Um, and then just like Tim Curry just brings it all around with just added horniness, added jokes, added um, just just creepy, uh, nefarious, slimy vibes. It's it's great. He is. I, I didn't know too much about this movie, obviously. And um, reading like the the billing, you know, he's billed last, I think, or next to last or something like that. And I was like, oh, is he like, is he in this movie like hardly at all? Or like, what role does he play in this? And I was like, oh, of course, he's the the center figurehead of all the machinations and evil that's going on. Um, very fitting. So yeah, this is great. The billing on this, just like as an aside, I'm always fascinated with billing on like posters and stuff is kind of insane because you get Charlie Sheen first. And so you're thinking like, okay, maybe they're doing like an alphabetized sort of thing, which I don't know if they are because you go Charlie Sheen, Kiefer Sutherland, Chris O'Donnell, Oliver Platt. And so that's like the four of the Musketeers. And so maybe Charlie Sheen was just like hot stuff at the time. And so... You get like agents who demand like I need to be I, my guy needs to be number one. Um, Chris O'Donnell gets moved above Oliver Platt. You can kind of see how Oliver Platt has like the funny guy role in this. And so he's not like as high up as uh, the ingenue Chris O'Donnell or the the essentially other lead uh, of Kiefer Sutherland. Tim Curry comes next after that. Uh, so he's kind of the last of the guys. But then I think you get an and Rebecca de Mornay. Right, right. Um, which you can see as like she's the only girl on the poster. And like de Mornay, you, you got to end with that name. Yeah, um, solid. But again, like I, I think she first popped off in like risky business, I think, which I have never seen. But like maybe she was still big in the early 90s. Yeah, that was mid 80s. So maybe not. Uh, bringing her back this was her way back in to the limelight baby i love billing we could do a whole podcast about billing for different movies we can talk about fun we should we should definitely look at that moving forward yeah yeah have a little billing corner Mm -hmm. um okay 
are you ready for again like such a stupid game I, I'm, I'm i'm excited okay let's get into it misleading movie titles <laughs> yep <laughs> thank you for that 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 is perfectly fitting i know <laughs> here's my spiel so growing up uh whenever i saw the poster for the three musketeers the first thing i always thought was well there's clearly four of them um it, it should be called the four musketeers that's a better title <laughs> <laughs> yeah it doesn't make sense that it's the three musketeers um in that spirit, I'd like to play a game I'm calling Misleading Movie Titles. I'm going to give you 10 movies that we have covered on this podcast. Um, so I'll go easy on you here. But I've updated the titles to still somewhat refer to the plot of the movie, but not really in the best way. Okay, um, <laughs> I love it. That's great. So you then have to tell me the movie that I'm naming. Okay. Easy Done. enough. Yeah, easy enough. Are you it's ready to play Misleading Movie Titles? Should we play it? Should we play it again? <laughs> Do it. Misleading movie titles. The visuals are what do it for me. <laughs> the visuals are like people just what? so upset. <laughs> All right. Um, fantastic. Okay. Number one. Misleading movie titles. Adventures in diners. Oh, that's uh, that's Pulp Fiction. Absolutely. Yeah. You got it. Number two. Girl, you better get that book. Is that Devil Wears Prada? It's Devil Wears Prada. <laughs> yeah. Speaking of, you know what? Ryan's reading that book right now. The Devil Wears Prada? Yeah, she says it's great. Fantastic. Uh, we're going to need a little Ryan corner coming up next to give her a review of the Devil Wears Prada. Oh, done. Yeah. Um, okay, number three. Violent Revolution of the Masses. I know we haven't watched V for Vendetta. Uh, Violent Revolution of the Masses. Uh, uh, is that Chicken Run? No, it's Bugs Life. It's Bugs Life. Yeah. Okay. Number four. Elevator. <laughs> Just Elevator. Uh, elevator, Elevator. Uh, oh, it's Parent Trap. <laughs> no. Ah, oh, god damn it. Uh, then it would be, uh, I don't know, Elevator. Okay, I can hardly know it. It would be like kind of slanted, very like actiony font. Maybe oh, like, uh, a speed shot through it. Yeah, speed. Yeah, speed. I did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> elevator. Number, elevator. Number five, Silicon Valley. Oh, that's a uh, social network. That's social network. I got you. Uh, number six, the most evil lady of Christmas. Uh, let's see. It's not Gremlins. Uh, oh, it's the Family Stone. No, it is Gremlins. Actually, uh, I'm referring to the oh. lady who wants to like kill his dog or whatever. Oh God, um, what's her name? I wasn't yeah. even thinking of the Family Stone, but that obviously makes just as much sense. Yeah. Um, so you you get that one. Thank you. Um, number six, seven. Number seven. Doctors without borders. <laughs> uh, doctors without borders. 
Uh, You're looking at a list of our podcast episodes. Yeah, I have it. I just happen to have you it. You fucking up. cheater. Uh, is that Young Frankenstein? <laughs> yes, it is Young Frankenstein. Yeah, damn right. You got it. <laughs> Number eight, the surfing lesson. Uh, uh, that is forgetting Sarah Marshall. That's forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> it's just one scene. I love it. But okay, number nine. So you're right, you're right. Number nine. How to build a theater. Moulin Rouge. Moulin Rouge. You got it. Or is it how right. not to build a theater? <laughs> how to put on a production. Um, all right. Last one. Number 10. An actress and a mother. An actress and a mother. Uh, Black Swan? No. No. Uh, who's an actress? Um, let's see. Not Megan. This is unfair because I do have the list. You're right. Uh, an actress and a mother. I'm your mother. Um, when Harry met I Sally. Your mother. No. no. Moonstruck. Moonstruck? No. Uh, Tu Wong Fu. No. Uh, actress and a mother. I think you got this one wrong. Oh, Parent Trap. No. Oh, what is it? <laughs> it's The Exorcist. Oh, no. I missed. Okay, yeah, I missed that one. <laughs> okay, Justin, thank you for playing misleading movie titles. You got an 80%, um, which is a passing grade. Um, and we'll, we'll play again someday. Yay. Misleading movie titles. So good. <laughs> I was going to say, keep that video file on standby because we, we should really bring this back. We really should. I mean, it's it, it makes sense. I Googled, you know, misleading movie titles and it's, it's so many pages of results. It's crazy. Fantastic. That's great. Um, all right. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about mm. in this Tim Curry miniseries where we will be going next episode? Where we're going, we're going to take a hard right into uh or maybe it's even a hard left i would say into like high fantasy Ooh. high fantasy of uh legend talking legend folks with um uh tom cruise leading uh leading the charge and then tim curry also uh it is a wild wild ride <laughs> uh that was my first like time seeing a movie where it had like this crazy character in it um that i learned later on was tim curry and i was just like oh of course based on the other characters that i'd seen him play you're just like oh that totally fits the bill for who he is in this movie and that one's going to be fun to talk about because i haven't seen it in you know several years uh <laughs> so it'll be fun to revisit but um yeah that was one of the first ones i remember seeing and it is um it's great it's great. Uh, I can't wait I, to talk to see. I am very excited. I had never heard of it before this podcast. Um, I I know of the like production still of like just Tim Curry as the devil or whatever he is in that movie. Yeah. Um, so I know what he looks like, but I don't know anything else about it. I think this will be our first Tom Cruise movie. Fact check me on that it one. It is. It is the um, first time. Yeah. We'll have a little cruise talk. Um, very fun. Okay. Justin, thank you for giving me the opportunity to rewatch The Three Musketeers after all this time. I had such a blast doing yeah. this. Uh, 
I'm, I'm putting it back in rotation. Like it, it's in there. It's a good one. It's a good family friendly flick. Uh, bring the whole church camp to see it. It's a good time. Yeah. Uh, this movie has Joe written all over it. So yeah, it, it plays out. Uh, yeah, this was fun. Uh, so yeah, uh, check us out, uh, wherever you get, uh, your podcasts and, uh, uh, check us out on YouTube. We have changed our name. We are now, uh, uh, uncultured universe. We're not limiting ourselves to just the cinematics of it all. Uh, as Joe mentioned, uh, at the top, we're talking about, we're going to be talking, uh, actors, directors, cinematographers, and movies. We're going to be talking TV shows. We're gonna be talking music. We're going to be talking soundtracks. We're going to be talking musicals maybe books shit maybe video games maybe video games maybe we talk card games maybe we talk handshakes who knows anything maybe we maybe we talk about paintings just art in general yeah Yeah. i I love it yeah uh but yeah yeah, all things uh where each we can get each other just a little bit more cultured joe i like that get a little more cultured uh that's our that's our tagline from here on i'm gonna add that in there that's great uh, but yeah, all you got to do is just search Uncultured Universe and uh, you'll find us. Check us out on TikTok, uh, Instagram, uh, YouTube, and wherever you get podcasts. Uh, and uh, yeah, catch us in a couple of weeks when we talk about Legend. Very excited. Peace. See you.